welcome to So What's the Problem, in which we rewatch movies from our youth and see how problematic they may be by today's standards. I'm Jen. And I'm Jimmy. And today we're going to be talking about Home Alone, um, which was released in the US on 16th of November 1990 and the UK and Ireland on 7th of November 1990. Um, it was written by John Hughes, directed by Chris Columbus and stars Macaulay Culkin and Joe Pesci and uh, Diane uh, Flay. Catherine O'Hara and John Hurd Jimmy and I have thought of problems this movie has three each and we'll take turns saying them and have a general discussion on the movie we will also have one positive to say about it Jimmy do you have any history with this movie well um, I saw it at the cinema with my mum and her boyfriend we had the choice of this and arachnophobia uh, but my mum is actually she genuinely has arachnophobia. So we thought that we would just skip that movie um, about all the spiders. But you can imagine just um, how she reacted to the spider on the face bit in this film. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was fun for her. Um, yeah, I watched this movie pretty much every Christmas, uh, either on DVD, Blu-ray, TV over the years, VHS even, whatever. It's a great wee movie. We actually probably should have done the second movie for this podcast because, you know, that one trumps this one in the way of problems. Yeah, did you mean to say trumps? I did indeed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what is your history with it? I saw it in the theatre when it opened. I don't. I couldn't say if it's opening weekend, but we saw it pretty quickly after it opened. Um, and my mom, you know, she'll rewatch something after years have passed, but she's never been one to quickly rewatch something. And she loved it so much. We saw it in the theaters twice. Right. Although this was back in the day when like movies were in the theater for a very long time. So I think it may have been months before we saw it again, but I saw it in the theater twice. We owned it as soon as we could on VHS. I've watched it most Christmases. Um, And then a few years ago, maybe like five or six years ago, my son, I showed it to him and he became obsessed with it, but he couldn't sit through a movie. Mm-hmm. And so he would start the movie and then leave halfway through and I would be left to watch the rest by myself or turn it off. <laughs> and I think that's where my sick obsession with the movie came in um, where I'm like overthinking everything because that that winter, I think I probably watched at least the first half of it. Probably like maybe thirty times, maybe more. Right. Um. I I think it's actually one of the reasons why I often forget about the robbers, mm-hmm. because there have been a lot of times where I've turned it off before then because of Xander. But uh, as an adult, I have I as a grown ass adult, <laughs> I have become so obsessed with this movie in ways that I don't understand, and I have spent more time thinking about this movie. Probably than anyone who wasn't in it. Um, well, yeah. Considering like a lot of the actors didn't really want to be in it in the first place. Um, according to the, the audio commentary, Chris Columbus said that a lot of the, the older actors were just wondering, why am I here? Why am I making this kids movie? This isn't mm-hmm. going to go anywhere. Um, why am I being second fiddle to this young kid who's top billed? <laughs> But, you know, as soon as the movie was a a great hit and they were going to make a sequel and they were allowed to probably get more money for the sequel, they were probably Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I love that movie now. That's great. Um, Not that I'm a cynic or anything. But, yeah, well, let's just get into into the problems then. I'm sure over the many years of you watching this, Jen, you have seen things (laughs) and noticed things. (laughs) <laughs> the funny thing is, is I had been stressed that I wouldn't be able to come up with the problems mm-hmm. because for me personally, I'm not saying this for everyone, but for me, this is basically a near perfect movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's every time I think I found a problem with it, the next time I watch it, I realize that's not a problem, right? Like no. this, and I'll talk about it more in my positives, but like they cover everything in this movie like there's not a lot of holes but and i mean before i started i before i started uh watching i didn't rewatch the entire thing right before uh recording but i did watch all the special features yesterday and when i sat down to prep my notebook i did have my two problems but my biggest problem 
is always Frank. Yep. That was my number one before I did anything was write Frank. Yeah, that's mine as well. Uncle Frank is a wanker, is what I wrote in my notes. You know, it's as we're recording this, I know it's not going up for a while, but as we're recording this, it's the day before the 30th anniversary of the U.S. release. Mm-hmm. So there have been a ton of articles and, and listicles and stuff on the internet the past week about this movie. And between that and watching the special features, I don't know where I heard what. <laughs> but somewhere, maybe it was the commentary, at some point Chris Columbus said that um, people have complained about Frank calling Kevin a jerk. Mm-hmm. And they said, I wouldn't let my anybody talk to my son that way. Yeah. And he said, it's funnier... If no one says anything. Eh. And I actually, I think that's true. I look, I've thought about this a lot over the last 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that might be true, but it still, it just makes me hate his whole family more because no one, because if my brother-in-law called my kid a jerk, especially in my house, I would kick him out. Of course you would. Did you watch the Lillian scenes? No, I didn't have a chance. Well, I didn't have the chance. I forgot they were there. <laughs> <laughs> there, There is a deleted scene where Frank pantses Kevin. Really? Pulls down, his, like, he tells a joke and the punchline has something to do with pants. He pulls down his pants, laughs, and walks away. Frank is trash. Yeah, he, he absolutely is. Because, I mean, like, Buzz, Buzz is terrible, but he's still, you know, a child. I mean, the actor looks like he's in his early 20s, but he was only 13 at the time. <laughs> the, I mean, and the thing that sucks, the thing that's really hard for me is uh, watching the whole family. Mm-hmm. Because I think when I was a kid, I kind of understood that Kevin was being, you know, a bit of a brat. And especially in that scene with him and his mom before he goes to bed. Mm-hmm. But as an adult watching it, I'm really realizing that everyone sucks. Like, everyone treats Kevin awful. Um yeah. They, like, Buzz, so a cheese pizza was ordered for Kevin because he doesn't like any any other toppings. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone, I assume everyone knows that that is the purpose of this pizza. And mm-hmm. first of all, like, from what we see of this family, we know Buzz sucks. So you got to assume the parents know that he treats Kevin bad, too. So yeah. they really should have taken that... Um, the pizza and set it aside but anyway buzz somehow manages to get the rest of the pizza and shove it in his mouth real really fast too Mm -hmm. um and kevin retaliates because like of course he does because it's not just that the pizza he likes is gone but it's that his brother purposefully yeah ate it and then so he knocks over some some milk in the tussle um and they're acting like he did that on purpose, right? Like they're acting like mm. he was the only one that did something wrong. And it's like Buzz is Buzz is a sociopath. And <laughs> I just it's really frustrating to me that everyone gets so mad at him when there's no way they didn't see that Buzz is doing some shit, right? You know, I bet you Buzz is Uncle Frank's favorite. Yeah. And and it's funny because like in the the scenes that we do see, I've always gotten the feeling that Kevin is the mom's favorite. But they just, and I get, like, it's a full house. There's a lot of kids there. A lot of kids there. Um, But he's, it's like, he's the one that everyone gets mad at. And it's kind of funny because I know someone who, um, like, I've been around their family a lot. And their niece and nephew are, like, you know, 12 and 13 or 14. Like, they're very close apart. She's, like, a little over a year apart. Mm -hmm. And one of them when no one's looking, will antagonize the other one. And it's the one who gets really frustrated with the, yeah. with the, you know, the girls starting shit, but the boy's the one who reacts where everyone can see. Mm-hmm. And so he's the one that gets in trouble. And it's frustrating because you can see all the adults know she's doing it. Yeah. But it's like the one that you, that is the loudest gets caught. And I, know. I, I, and I'm not judging that family because that's real life, but I'm going to judge this fictional family. Yeah, that's why we're here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree with you. Frank was my number one problem as well because he's just a despicable human being, and he's so cheap. Like they're taking him yeah, to France. He fleeces his brother. He fleeces his brother every sec for every cent he can get, all the time. Like they're and pay- then he constantly complains. He's an entitled tool. 
Sorry. Carry on. Oh, they, I mean, they're paying for the trip to France, right? Like, he can't pick mm-hmm. up the pizzas. Come on. He could have paid, he could have paid the 12250 which I did use my calculator on, my converter. Yep. And in today's money, that's $241.82. But it's funny because... Uh- because the pizza, really? yeah, oh, wow. the pizza is twelve bucks each. Mm-hmm. Ten pizzas times twelve bucks, and that's actually pretty. Like, unless you're getting like fancy pizza, that's about what it still is now. So it's weird. The prices haven't really changed for pizza here very much. But don't you also pay for delivery? Um, I mean, there's probably a little fee, but it's usually I think maybe five bucks or something. Right. Like it's not it's not a ton, and I but I do like that his mom that Kevin's mom is a good tipper. It's very important. Yeah, it's one of her redeeming qualities. But the other thing the other thing with Frank is it's a it's a very quick moment at the beginning of the scene. But when they're in France, he has gone into the fridge and gotten something out, um, and he comes in like he he has this plate full of food and he's like, look what I found, and someone's like, Frank, that's for later. Like that he's even like, he doesn't care about anyone's rules. He doesn't care about what anyone else, like he's going to steal crystal from the plane. Um, He's just, I just hate Frank so much. And I don't know what I would do if I had a relative like that, but I'm pretty sure I would avoid them as much as possible. And I definitely wouldn't pay for their trips. Exactly. And you would say something if he called your son a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. That's God. He, Oh, he sucks. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the movies don't really seem to paint him, and I'm talking about both movies, they don't really seem to paint him as, like, a villain, per se, because nothing happens to Frank. I mean, and even in the the, the end of the second movie, him and Kevin don't interact. So, you know, he doesn't say anything to Kevin that's left to buzz in this movie, but it doesn't happen in the second movie. It's just, it's quite weird that, they're setting him up to be this arsehole protagonist. <laughs> uh, sorry, antagonist. I always get those mixed up. <laughs> and um, But nothing comes of it between him and Kevin. Well, in the second in the second uh, movie, he calls Kevin a pervert. Get out here, you little pervert. Yeah. Yeah. They don't even look at each other at the end yeah. of the second movie. You would think they would have something at least. I think he's just supposed to represent that asshole relative that like, yeah. more and more it's becoming acceptable to be like, well, this person sucks. I'm just either not inviting them to Christmas or I'm going to ignore them. Um, Dylan has a relative that like, he's not rude, but he definitely um, makes me uncomfortable. Like he is, he's, he can be a jerk. No, now that I think about it, he he's not as bad as he used to be. But he used to be like a, you know, an ass, mm-hmm. and that's someone that I really avoid at family get-togethers. And like, right. but you don't see you don't see people avoiding Frank. Well, do you know how we we do that in our family? Uh, we don't have family get-togethers, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't get it. I don't understand. I mean, even Buzz, um, who is terrible in this movie, and then he seems to, he, he says something nice to Kevin at the end, but then at the very beginning of the second movie, he's an arsehole to him again. And it's like, this family just don't, they just don't care about Kevin. They don't, they don't give a shit about Kevin. And you said that um, uh, the, the mother, that Kevin's probably the mother's favourite. Mm-hmm. Two movies, two movies say that that is not true. Because <laughs> she leaves her son twice. Okay, well, the second movie, the second movie is a stretch, but you do see them at the beginning of the second movie, like being very aware of what happened before and like That's trying true. trying to keep tabs on Kevin. Because what happens happens last minute. The second movie is yeah. flimsier, but this movie. Yes. Sorry, so much so that they actually break the fourth wall in the second movie when they get up out of bed and say, "We did that again" mm. to the camera. That's stupid. Yeah. But still. There are so many people who say the second movie is better than the first, and I do not get those people. Those people are insane. I've only seen... Crazy people. I've only seen the second movie a handful of times. Like, as opposed to this movie, which I've seen at least partially, probably 50 or 60 times. Uh, and I just... I have no... Even before Trump was a political problem, I was avoiding Home Alone too. See, I never understood the Trump cameo in that movie. Mm. 
I mean, New York, fair enough, right? But me being a Scot, and I knew who Donald Trump was, but it it didn't really ha- it didn't have the same impact to me as I'm assuming it's supposed to have in America. It's like it's um it's New York, so I, Trump I, Towers is here, so Trump. And I'm like, yeah, I have man. a story about that, and it's a good thing you don't go on Facebook very much because I can tell you this story, and you won't have read okay. it. I posted it yesterday. <laughs> okay, Not so. Having- so um, I guess, you know, if that's your assumption about Trump being there, you don't know the deal with Trump properties. So Trump owned the Plaza Hotel at mm-hmm. this point when, when Home Alone 2 was filmed. And, you know, people often wanted to film on his properties. And his rule is, if you film on my property, you have to put me in your movie. Nice. Because he has a massive ego. So I forget what movie it was, but there was there was a movie... I remember hearing a story about Matt Damon where he's like, yeah, we filmed it and then we didn't put it in the movie. And that's what usually happens is when they film on Trump properties, they film something with him and then they just cut it out of the movie. So that moment with Trump was in Home Alone 2. And they, I guess, were like considering cutting it out. They just kind of... You know, they're showing it to test audiences, so it's not fully, fully edited yet. Um like fully locked and so they show it to audiences and when trump comes on the screen and this is well like 92 mm-hmm. um when trump comes on the screen the audience cheers and so they right, i'm done <laughs> <laughs> thought you were really gonna walk away there i wanted to no but the, oh. but, the, but the crazy thing is is like he said they didn't understand it at the time but because people cheered so much they kept it in right because like the audience clearly cared and I don't understand it either. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, this is a decade before The Apprentice. And it's just, he was someone that was so recognizable to people. And, I mean, obviously, like, I can't argue with that because I've been aware of his existence since I was a kid. But I didn't actually really know anything about him or what he did until The Apprentice. Like, up until then, he was just some dude who was rich and lived in New York. He clearly had an audience, even back then. It explains a lot. But um, I know Trump from, and I don't know how this turned into the Trump podcast, but I know Trump from, um, uh, from this, from sorry, the second movie, mm-hmm. and um, a couple of sitcom, uh, like Fresh Prince he was in, things like that, that's how I know him. And there must have been there must be another reason that I knew who he, who he was, like he was a rich man, mm-hmm. but I can't think of it. Must have been something, a TV show or something. I just realized part of the problem is, you know, in the 80s, the big thing was greed is good, you know, Wall Street and all Mm -hmm. that. And then, and so, like, in the the 80s and the early 90s, there was such an obsession here with wealth. People were so obsessed with with wealth and stuff that that's why they knew who he was, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Which, like, it makes sense why he you know, made a resurgence in the 2000s because people started becoming more obsessed with wealth again. Um, God, it's so depressing. It really is. So Uncle Frank is a wanker. Yeah. Um, right. So listeners, if you are one of these weirdos who prefers Home Alone 2 to Home Alone 1, um, then contact at shiftybench.co.uk <laughs> and let us know. Um, and let us know why. I'm sorry for calling you a weirdo, but you kind of are. Um, (laughs) or even Home Alone 3 there might be someone who prefers Home Alone 3 I'm sure there is it doesn't even have the McAllisters in it but there you go the last theatrical Home Alone movie Home Alone 3 and it was still written by John Hughes it was written by John Hughes? yeah I would watch that then that's that's a reason why I would watch it I didn't know that yeah it was written by John Hughes damn yeah exactly (laughs) and it's and it's awful (laughs) Right, so we might as well just get into your second problem then, because we shared the first, so we might as well just get into your second. Dude, these burglars, they are (laughs) a mess. Like, I was watching them robbing a house, one of the neighbor's houses, and and I I think it is more Marv than Harry. Mm -hmm. He just trashes the place. Yeah. And I, look, not only does that just annoy me, because I... Like, I don't see the point. Um, but like, I I get it even less than I get the flooding of the house. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I also am just like, I and this might explain why I'm not a criminal. I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't like 
you're robbing someone, right? They're going to come home and they're going to see a bunch of their stuff gone and it's going to be very upsetting to them. And I just can't imagine being the kind of robber that also leaves their place a pit because you're just, it's so much worse. What you are doing (laughs) to these Mm. people is so much worse. And I'm just, I obviously have a problem with their stealing, but I'm also just as bothered by how rude they are. My goodness. (laughs) Well, yeah. It really bothers me. Yeah, because if you're already stealing someone's property, you don't have to damage the rest of it. You yeah. Know? Just steal and then get out and then people won't notice. The whole point of like breaking into someone's house and stealing things is they're not... You're, you're supposed to make your victims not realise that they've been broken into straight away. Mm-hmm. So it can take them longer to notice it and then phone the police. Mm-hmm. Whereas this way, it's just like, well call the cops right away although they do have the advantage of the fact that no one's in this street at all yeah that everyone is that a thing that i mean does everyone in american streets just go on holiday over the holidays um that's weird no wealthy people vacation maybe wealthy people because that's the thing is this is a very wealthy street yeah and the house i know that the house the McAllister house last year sold for 1.5 million dollars hmm it's a very nice neighborhood, so I'm sure if you can afford to go on vacations at Christmas, you do. And a lot of people, I mean, a vacation, yeah, they're going to France, but it's because they have relatives there, right? Like, yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of people who do that. In my family, it was like the anybody who lived in like the tri-state area, you know, we'd get together because it was a quick like two-hour drive or whatever. But mm. the people that lived further away, we never did a holiday with them. Like that, right. we just don't do that. Tra- but we're not wealthy, so yeah. Um, like maybe, but like, yeah. As a kid, I remember being very confused. I was like, "Do people just leave at Christmas? Like, why wouldn't you be yeah. at your home? I want to be at my home." That always baffled me as a kid. But again, Scottish, so I just didn't understand. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's I, I I think it's less of an American thing and more of a rich people thing. Well, I don't know if they're rich. I just I mean they're they're well off. Let's see. I don't think the McAllisters are like millionaires or anything. I no, they're pretty. I think they're very wealthy. Like, look, look at their house, um, and yeah. then look at the fact that they can afford to send two families, pay for two families with a lot of kids to go to France, um, and like that they pay for a Florida vacation the next year, and just like if you look at their home and you look at you know how they're dressed and you look at all this stuff like they are wealthy they are very wealthy people that just makes me think just how then i mean do do we know what what the dad does for a living i'm assuming it's the dad because it was the early 90s here's the thing because you're lucky i have thought about this a lot so the dad i don't know i've seen speculation on the internet that he works in like finance or something but we don't Mm. know what the dad does but my theory about the mom has always been that she is some sort of um, that she works maybe in like fashion or something like they have all these mannequins mm-hmm. and I just kind of assumed that maybe she does something with that. I do believe it's a, that both households are working households or, yeah. or both parents are working parents. I mean, um, yeah, yeah. Because Frank, Frank, Frank <laughs> yeah, <doesn't> <laughs> yeah, no, I think, well, I think he does, but he's probably well, he very does, bad but, at his yeah. job and very lazy yeah. and his coworkers hate him. Yeah, I, I bet his wife hates him as well. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, <laughs> yeah. after the second after the second movie, she left him and just told him to f- piss off, you know? Yeah, but I, I've always just assumed Kevin's mom worked. Um, yeah. And she just, like, just the way the character is, she doesn't seem, she just doesn't strike me as, like, like a housewife. <laughs> no, 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 no. She's not, no. She's absolutely not. So I just but... assume they're both, they're two people with very good jobs. Yeah. And, um... And it also explains why everything's so chaotic, because if they're both full-time employees and they have so many kids, because they have four kids, right? Yeah, okay, let's get into this. <laughs> Whose kid is who? <laughs> okay. So we've, got, so we've got Kevin and we've got Buzz, right? Yeah, and Megan. Megan. And... Uh, the- as the ginger Pete and Pete boy, is he... Is he oh, yeah, okay, Jeff, is... Jeff. Okay, so there's five Jeff. kids. Jeff is right. one of their kids. And um, Phenom. Phenom. Phenom, one of them. yes. <laughs> She's one of theirs as well, yeah. That is what I do know. Okay, so here's where I got confused. Because for years I thought that the brother who's in France 
that all of his kids were staying with them while he was in France. But what I right. what I realized just yesterday when I watched the deleted scenes because there's a deleted scene where his brother and and his brother's wife and their children meet them at the airport and they have three children with them. Uh, which just there's so many kids oh my god so uh what i realized is it's actually the oldest kid there the girl who's clearly in college yeah she i'm assuming is going to college in america because she says her parents are in france that's what she tells joe pesci at the beginning so i think that she her parents are the parents in france and all the other kids there are Uncle Frank's. See, I never actually thought about that when she says that. I just thought she was just being sarcastic. No. Because she's she she's waiting on everyone getting her shit together so she can go to France. But it makes more sense that she... Yeah, but we don't know. The, we, don't, we, we don't get told this, though. I... This is... So. Here's the thing. <laughs> this is what I don't under I don't understand why I've thought about it so much. Like I don't understand why I'm so obsessed. But I have I have thought about these kids for years, and I really think that yesterday I locked it down. I really I'm think I'm expecting you to bring out a flip chart, Jen, and then just <laughs> show everything that you've been writing over the past twenty four hours. I need a white I need a whiteboard like a Senator yeah. Katie Porter who <laughs> always gives information with a whiteboard. Yeah, uh, I really I I think that that's it. And so like Rory Culkin, and then um, the other little girl, and then there's a girl mm-hmm. with curly hair. She was actually on my so called life, and then right. the boy that was talking to Buzz about Old Man Marley. I think those are Frank's kids. So what we really learn is that Kevin's dad comes from a family with men that procreate very easily and very well. (laughs) Yes. Because between them, there are 13 kids, I think. But if you count the kids in France. Yes. 13 kids. Between between three brothers. Yeah, that's a lot. So many. So, yeah, I've thought about this a lot because it's it's just it's a it's so many kids. Yeah. If you're watching it and you're really like paying attention to their relationships and stuff, I think they make it. And well, and especially in the second movie, it's you know you see there's like fewer kids at the house. Like you could they've laid out pretty well who the who like uh, Kevin's siblings are. Um, plus, you know, they're the only ones that come back at the end because, you know, Frank and his family stayed in France. Yeah, it's, it's baffling just why they decided to have that many. I mean, I understand, right? For story purposes, you would need that many kids for the, the older girl to get confused and mm-hmm. count wrong with the boyfriend next door who we never see again. Um, <laughs> why would we, though? He- He's going no, well, I assume he got kidnapped on his way home or no, something, he, I don't know. He is going to pick up his grandma in Missouri and then they're going to Florida. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, why should we see him again? But it would have been nice if he appeared in the second movie as well, you know, to say goodbye to him again. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... Hold on, hold on, I want to add something to that. Oh, here we go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get ranty. I just want to point out that... What must drive them crazy is because I don't think anyone actually paid attention to that kid, right? Like the drivers noticed him because he was annoying the shit out of them. And he did say goodbye to everyone, but everyone was so freaked out about being late. Who knows if they even noticed? So let's say Mm -hmm. no one noticed him and no one put two and two together later. How, like, imagine them going over how this possibly could have happened that they left Kevin there and no one yeah. actually understanding what happens. Like they, they probably, they, they, there's no way they all have figured out the information that a ticket got accidentally thrown away after it was covered with milk and that the mm-hmm. neighbor kid was accidentally counted. And like, they, it's probably a mystery to them. And they probably, maybe they blame that older girl and like, they mm-hmm. never forgive her for miscounting. Like, it's just, <laughs> I think about that a lot that like, cause the parent, I'm fascinated with the idea that like, not only may they never understand how the, how this actually happened, but they clearly don't know about the burglars. Like they don't know the trauma Kevin went through while they were gone. Yeah. But also the fact that, she she miscounts. She counts the neighbor kid as, well, not as Kevin, just as one of the kids, because mm-hmm. you know. But um, 
But then she says everything. She says that she counted how many kids. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, he's turned around, his back's to her. No, and I understand that. Yeah. I understand that. But um, the mother still thinks in her head, Kevin's missing. Well, that's the... Despite knowing all the information. The... That... Okay, so that's the thing. And this is not one of my problems. But this is something I need to talk about. And it's bothered me for years. So, like, and I, I, I think the movie suggested that, like, a psychic connection between father and and or mother and son right because there's a point where he's like he says something um about his mom or something and then it like it cuts to her on the plane and she's woken up like she just like yeah like that she maybe she sensed something but there's a point on the plane where she realizes she's left kevin how like how how does she re- out of all the chaos i mean maybe she goes through it and figures out like she never saw him at the airport but things were so crazy i'm actually shocked that she realizes he's missing while they're on the plane yeah i mean for all she knows one of um frank's kids could be missing and she you know because yeah. she, she probably didn't see him either when she was uh, at the airport because all of the business happening I so mean, why kevin fuller could have drowned in his own pee you know yeah, exactly. <laughs> he could have. Yeah, yeah. That's actually usually something I would say, Jen. So I think you and I have been hanging out <laughs> too often, right? So, what's your second problem? Um. Well, well. Actually, I want to go back to something. Okay. <laughs> um. We were talking about the when everything goes to shit and then um the the um alarm clock goes off mm-hmm. um set more than one alarm clock by the way and don't always set electric alarm clocks you fucking moron but still <laughs> it's all right there's like 20 people in that house set more than one alarm anyway it doesn't matter what matters is kevin wishes his parents like always family to disappear is is kevin magic once again i feel this movie has layers and i feel there are multiple ways to watch it and i remember one day a few years ago i said to my husband i was like so do you think that it's something mystical or do you think it's just practical like that they did just leave him and dylan was like what are you talking about and i'm like well you know kevin wishes his family would disappear and then this series of events happens mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, he says that and then there's this, you know, the, the lines, phone lines go down and the electricity goes out. And like it, I don't, I don't personally subscribe to the theory that it's a wish, mm-hmm. but I definitely feel they intentionally give us that impression. And yeah, it's shot as though that it is. And Dylan thought I was crazy. He was like, no one thinks that. But I'm like, no, that's very valid. Like, I think, yeah. I don't think that they necessarily intend for us to believe that. But if anything, they set it up so that you can understand why he would believe it. Yeah, that's true. But it's also shot in a way like when the music is playing and mm-hmm. then you see like shots of the house and it's and stuff and it's like, is it is it magical? Is it mystical? It's 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 shot like that for that brief moment in time when everything's gone to shit, and the branch for some reason falls off onto the power lines and stuff. It's like it's really strange. But then that doesn't happen in a second, maybe. So, well, I I think I I've that's another thing I've always found interesting about this movie is that they give you two options, right? The practical or like the mystical. Yeah. But that I don't feel that the movie itself picks one. Like, I don't feel mm-hmm. like they're telling us what we should believe. And the thing that was a little frustrating to me listening to the commentary is, and I get it, like, they're going to talk about their memories and, like, it's, they're not necessarily thinking about that stuff as much, especially mm-hmm. since the writer wasn't on the commentary. And it, it and it makes me so sad they talk a lot about, like, well, next time we should get John Hughes. And it's like, well, John Hughes is dead now. Um, a yeah. lot of people have died since they did that commentary. But um, I was, I was upset that they didn't talk about that at all because i do wonder what was going through chris columbus's head in Mm -hmm. in having that be a part of the movie where it seems like maybe he wished yeah and maybe he did because the timing i mean the way it works like Mm -hmm. i think it's there i kind of go back and forth sometimes i do believe that that's what happened and i i find it so interesting that they're not telling us they're not, and they're not shoving it in our faces, right? Like, the fact that Dylan didn't realize that was a thing. 
it's pretty subtle yeah. for for a kids mo- or they keep they call it a kids movie. It's a family film, and there's a difference. Family, yeah, that is absolutely is. Anyway, so your second problem. <laughs> My second problem. Right, so the spider I can handle. Right, <laughs> I don't care about spiders. Okay. Right, um, they don't scare me. Getting a BB gun pellet to the nuts doesn't bother <laughs> me at all. Right, don't care. Burning hand, fine. That's absolutely all right. <laughs> but the part with the nail going into a bare foot, oh, <laughs> that is. Or rough. when he stands and he stands in the broken baubles, um, yeah, no, you can you can piss off with that. I, I hate as you know, hate naked feet. So I can't do. The foot I forgot trauma. about that. Hate it. Yeah, I hate naked feet. Can't stand it. And it's not just seeing the nail going into the foot. It's the fact that there's a naked foot in the first place that freaks me out. So, you know, this is a horror movie to me, Jen. It's just, oh. It's it's just so funny to me. Like, for years, I kind of thought about Harry and, and felt like he, like, I felt like he and Marv were just, like, insane for not quitting sooner. Um, and like, especially since there are so many other houses on the street, like they, and they have time, right? Like, it's not just that they have plenty of houses to rob, but they have plenty of time to like come back multiple times and steal more stuff. Like they could have complete, they had, they could have completely emptied those houses if they really wanted to. So they don't need the silver tuna or whatever, but Mm. (laughs) I was thinking about it today. And I was like, no, I am the, I am a lot like Harry that like, he had this thing he wanted and he's so, he's had his mind on it so long. He's too stubborn to let it go. And the idea of getting outsmarted by this kid that like, it's, it's, I mean, it shows what a terrible person he is that he's going after the kid, but I really relate to the idea of like seeing an obstacle and being so pissed off and being like, I have to prove that I can get past this obstacle. Like, I actually understood him a little more this time. And then, yeah. obviously, Marv's going to do whatever Harry says. So Exactly. What are they going to steal? Wait 25, 30 years and you can get flat screen TVs and <laughs> Xboxes and stuff like that. Stuff that actually matters. But back then, um, I just want to note before we get into the other problems that Cisco and Ebert gave this two thumbs down. <laughs> I, that was very upsetting to me. Yeah, that's very upsetting, and I, I honestly, I need to go find video of that and see what their problems were. Um, yeah. Although it wasn't until I listened to the commentary that I appreciated how groundbreaking this movie was, because this movie kind of started a trend of these kind of family movies with like a kid at the center. Mm-hmm. And which, like, I hadn't really appreciated that wasn't a thing before. Like, that wasn't mm-hmm. a, that wasn't regular. And so I, I just didn't appreciate that this movie was the first of its kind and that it was it was so different. So, of course, some people would be against the idea because it's like, who wants to see a kid as the lead? It's just like um, they had trouble getting friends made because... The idea was who wants to watch people in their 20s? Because up till then you have things like Golden Girls, right? Like you have like (laughs) Empty Nest, like older people as the leads. And but in looking back, it seems so ridiculous that they would think no one wanted to watch people in their 20s. Yeah, exactly. Um, Golden Girls is a good show. Golden Girls. And people are still obsessed with Golden Girls, which is insane. And there is a local store here in Tulsa. Ida Red. Mm-hmm. Um, I the last time I went there, I walked in and the entire front table was Golden Girls. Like if you want a Golden Girls blanket, we got him here in Tulsa. <laughs> there were Golden Girls mugs, ornaments, socks. Uh, I think notebooks. Um, those Saint candles. Mm-hmm. Um, they had some for Golden Girls. Like Golden Girls is huge right now. That's uh, yeah. You can get Pop Funkos as well. Yeah, and there's and there's a clue. There's a clue game. You have to figure out who ate the cheesecake. (laughs) I want to play that game. Right. So, what is your third problem then, Jen? Okay, I have not mentioned it yet on this episode that um, I truly believe Kevin is a genius. I think he's a kid with a high IQ. Um, I compare him to Malcolm from Malcolm in the Middle. And I think that that might also explain why he's a kid that gets in trouble a lot, because oftentimes kids with high IQs do get in trouble a lot. 
And if you look at how well this eight-year-old takes care of himself, and if you look at his problem-solving skills, um, he the kid the kid is very intelligent. Um, yeah. And he, this plan he has come up with to thwart these burglars is very good. On the commentary, they were like, why does he need a map? Like, why does he need to draw a map? It's his house. But it's like, no, he drew out his plan. Like, he drew where mm-hmm. he was going to put each trap. It's very well thought out. And... Um, what bothers me is the kid's a genius. The kid has planned everything out really well, but his time management skills are shit. <laughs> and maybe it's because he took a last minute trip to the church because it, like watching it this morning um, like rewatching part of it, I saw like, you know, he's passing by the church and it, it's, it looks like he's just decided to go in. It wasn't part of his plan. But the thing is he rushes home when he realizes it's getting late. He goes into the house, sets everything up, makes himself a nice dinner, which he did not need to light candles for. But I do appreciate that he's trying to make himself a nice Christmas dinner. Yeah. But he sits down to eat his mac and cheese. Which he doesn't even eat. And this is my problem. (laughs) In all his planning, he doesn't realize he's sitting down to eat his dinner right at nine. Like... He should have, uh, he should have seen the clock. He should have known it was nine o'clock. He's eating his, there, well, there's, this is a two-tiered problem. Okay. So my first problem is that he sits there to eat, the, and this has bothered me since I was a child, by the way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he sits down to eat his mac and cheese and he has timed it out badly, which annoys me because he's thought of everything else. Mm-hmm. But then my other problem is these, these burglars say they're going to come back at nine. The burglars are prompt? This is all so weird to me. Like, that they are like, it's like they made an appointment and they show up exactly at nine. And I'm just like, this isn't realistic. And also, this kid should have eaten earlier. He should have, yeah. To be fair, he was too busy setting out all his death traps, but... I mean, personally, if it were me, and I understand I only have a certain amount of time, I'm making a sandwich and taking bites of it as I'm setting the traps up. It's exactly. called multitasking, yes. Kevin. He's nine, Jen. <laughs> he's eight. Isn't he eight? Sorry, he's he's eight, Jen. Yeah, no, sorry, Macaulay Culkin was nine when they filmed it. I mean that Kevin's Kevin's eight. The thing is, it's not look, any any average eight year old, and I'm not judging them for this, but I feel like this kid has planned everything out so well and he's so intelligent. I feel like he should have planned his dinner better. And it just really annoys me that he sits down to eat the dinner. And and also, once he realizes it's time, he could grab a quick bite. He doesn't even take a bite of it. No, I know. Just just take a couple it's, bites. You can do it. It's mac cheese. I would have just ate it. I would have just let all the, the burglars <laughs> come in and follow my traps and I would eat my mac cheese. What's your, what's your third problem? Um, okay, I'm, uh, my third problem is there's not enough John Candy because, as we all know, I love me some John Candy. And he filmed all his stuff in one day. Mm-hmm. And, like, as I mean, you listen to the commentary, but Chris Columbus says that a lot of people seem to think that John Candy's in the movie more mm-hmm. than he actually is. And watching it this time round, I mean, I watch it every year. But every year I am actually surprised just how little John Candy's in it. Because as a kid, I do remember seeing him in it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, love John Candy. Shame he's not in it. He's really funny. He's really good in it. Um, and I was also thinking that we should we should maybe, maybe do the John Candy movie Delirious one day. Is that the soap opera one? That's the soap okay. opera one, yeah. Okay, so yeah. I think we should add Delirious to the list. Please, so we can no. <laughs> Please do, because I was talking to Dylan about it yesterday, and because I was talking about how, like, they had filmed Home Alone, like, Chris Columbus filmed Home Alone, then Only the Lonely, and then Home Alone 2, like, back to back, and that there are people from each movie, like, in the other one that they kind of swapped cameos. And mm-hmm. he was like, which one's Only the Lonely? And I got, I haven't, I haven't seen Only the Lonely or Delirious. And so I'd kind of gotten them confused. And he's like, and I was like, is it the soap opera one? No. And he was like, oh, you don't want to watch the soap opera one. That one's awful. And I was like, mm-hmm. actually, and I look, cause I looked it up to read the plot and I was like, actually, this sounds awesome. And so I am already on the path to uh, making plans to watch it. So if you want to watch, I will, we could just do a John Candy podcast at this point. This is our we third could. movie that John Candy was in. Cause we did Splash. Um, 
Oh yeah, fuck, I forgot about Squatch. Yeah, and... <laughs> such a long time ago. Well, and the other thing, and I won't go on a rant this time, but the the one thing I said I was going to mention when we talked about planes, trains, and automobiles that I did not mention is the fact that it pisses me off that the mom it doesn't occur to her to rent a car sooner, um, mm. and that John Candy should be around when you're having travel emergencies because yeah. he gets shit done. He does. Yeah. No, Only the Lonely is one where um, John Candy's um, henpecked by his mother Mm -hmm. and he falls in love with Ali Sheedy. And the only thing I remember from that movie, and I've seen the movie when I was a kid, but the only thing I remember is a line in the trailer where his mother um, meets uh, meets Ali Sheedy and says to John Candy, where are her breasts? (laughs) And that's the only line I remember. That's so mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the thing is, is I think back to my childhood and I think like, oh, I love John Candy. I loved um, Steve Martin. And then when I mm-hmm. actually look at their filmographies, I'm like, I basically, I loved them based on like two or three movies. Like I really didn't see that many of their movies. Yeah. And so I'm thinking that may- maybe that should be like my New Year's resolution for 2021 is to like go back and watch a lot of these movies because there's so many that I haven't seen mm-hmm. and I really need to. And based on a lot of the stuff I've, I've watched of Steve Martin's as an adult, it holds up like rock mm-hmm. Roxanne holds up. Um, LA yeah. story holds up planes, trains and automobiles super holds up. Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, delirious. <laughs> I actually really liked delirious when I was a kid. So I would be interested to see, uh, how that holds up it probably doesn't at all but there was also what was it once upon a crime i think is another one i liked that one yeah, i saw I that, one. that one i really liked that i haven't seen it since i was a teenager and i made dylan yeah. watch it and i've right. totally forgotten about that i would totally watch that again too right so i'll add delirious to the list um so look out for delirious on the podcast folks but not right away because we're going to get away from john candy for <laughs> for a bit um Right, so what is your positive of this movie? You can't just say the movie. (laughs) My positive is how well thought out this movie is. Um, When you watch things as a child, you know, you can kind of enjoy it without overthinking things too much. And as an adult, you can go back and watch those movies. And like, like if you go back and watch Blank Check, it's like, a million dollars is not going to go as far as it seems in that movie. Mm-hmm. Like there, most show, most movies have a lot of holes, and um, this one is pretty airtight. Like more airtight than even like grown-up movies, right? Like um, any question I come up with about how they could have left Kevin, if in a rewatch, it is answered, and um, they take care of everything. And you know, listening to the commentary, I they actually talked about it a little, and it's that. They knew the studio knew that moms would get upset about mm-hmm. Kevin being left home alone. So you have to make it so that you're not like blaming the parents. Yeah. And they do. Like, it is amazing because this movie is about a family that left an eight year old home alone while they go to a completely different country. And yeah. it's like. Everything from, like, the ticket being thrown away to the neighbor kid being the same size as Kevin, and so it being really easy to mistake him, um, to the electricity going out, and down to, like, the other day I saw a tweet where they were talking about how um, it's ridiculous that Kevin didn't call the cops, but I feel like they explained that away, too, because first of all, Kevin thinks that he has left, he thinks he's wished his parent, his family away, So, like, why would, like, if he thinks it's his fault, why would he go to the cops? Um, Mm -hmm, Exactly. Also, at a certain point, you can see him connecting that Joe Pesci, that um, Harry is the same guy who was a cop at his house. Mm -hmm. So, at that point, even if he was going to go to the cops, he thinks Harry is a cop. Um, the, the phone lines are down, so he can't call the cops right away. Like there's, it's not just that they've given us one or two reasons why he wouldn't call the police. They have given us a bunch of reasons. And also, as we learn, the cops are fucking useless. Mm -hmm. So. Yes. Yes. They are (laughs) awful. Although like, and I get it, like his mom's super panicked, but she doesn't explain the situation very well. (laughs) there's a lot of bad communication in this movie Mm -hmm. um but like they 
It just, I always buy that they left this kid home alone. I always buy why he didn't call the cops. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working on a theory right now that, uh, <laughs> don't laugh at me. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot this week about the fact that old man Marley, I feel old man Marley figures out he's home alone and he's watching him. Yeah. Like, I think old man Marley's looking out for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my theory was, uh, it, I was even more certain of it after watching the deleted scenes and seeing that after he like sleds out of the house that he sees old man Marley there, like Marley sees him mm-hmm. sledding out of the house and going back in. I think he knows Kevin's alone and I think he's watching. And then yeah. I got pissed because I'm like, well, why didn't he help him sooner? But I realized after the church, he probably went home to call his son. Yeah, I have I have thought this shit through, but like yeah, because we do see old man Marley and his family. Well, um, at the end, and that's so. the thing is the the other thing is that people talk about like why didn't Kevin call the police? But as a kid, my thought was because I knew my neighbors, I knew all my neighbors, and I was like, if this happened to me, I would go to a neighbor's house. But it also makes it airtight because all the neighbors are gone. Mm-hmm. so he can't the only neighbor he has is old man marley and he's afraid of him so he's not going to go to him so like any yeah. any avenue i can think of where it's like why didn't he do this or why didn't this happen i feel like whether they meant to or not they thought of all of it so is old man marley rich i think so yes <laughs> i think there's this thing and i i don't know if kids do this anymore but i think definitely back in the day when when we didn't have the internet and when kids would be out playing and like they know their neighbors i think it was it was very common for neighbors to have like there'd be that one house that there's a myth about that one neighbor where people say oh she's a witch and it's just even in the wealthy neighborhoods they have that um i do think he's rich um he just lives alone and people think he's weird yeah but i just the thing is like not only is this movie airtight but like that goes hand in hand with the other thing i love about this movie is that it is the perfect family film in that it is so enjoyable at any age that you can watch mm-hmm. it as a kid and love it and you can watch it as an adult and love it. And that is so rare. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and they do it without putting in like a ton of like veiled sex jokes and stuff. Because like you watch Shrek, yeah. you, can, you can enjoy Shrek as an adult, but there's a lot of penis jokes in that movie. Yeah, I'd rather not. Shrek was one of the first children's movies I watched as a legal adult. Um, and I mm-hmm. remember watching it with my dad and freaking out. I was like, this is inappropriate. What? They let children watch this? It's good that it's a, it's a PG and there's violence, um, but it's still like extremely wholesome mm-hmm. as well at the same time because there is no sort of foul language in it and uh i mean shit is said once when um when he loses his shoe mm-hmm. when marv loses his shoe in the door um yeah that's that's it it's it's a wholesome movie the second movie is it's hurried yeah, I, it's I, a I, hurried film I, I, I didn't know how to end that sentence. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's rare that you have a movie that I think is really enjoyable to all ages. Like, that's why Napoleon Dynamite did so well. Because right. it was a movie that kids could enjoy and adults could enjoy. And it was wholesome. Um, and it's it's a rarity that it's that it that a movie works that well for that many mm. people. Uh, so my positive is just like I mean this movie's timeless. Like they did a really good job. Yeah. What's your positive? My positive. I wanted. I was going to say the score, um, because I love the score and it's my second favorite John Williams score mm-hmm. next to Raiders of Lost Ark. Um, but I I want to give some uh, and also he had to work in that score on short notice mm-hmm. because the original um composer Bruce Broughton. Uh, he had to drop out, so John Williams just like uh, Spielberg says, use John. He's not doing anything at the moment. Use John. It's a beautiful score. I love it so much. It's the it's the first score I've bought since probably high school, and I bought it a few mm. years ago, and I play it around the house every every Christmas. It's great. I love it. Um, yeah. So I'm actually going to say the stunts mm. because um, I want to give a shout out to the stunt men. Um, and uh, Freddie Heiss is the coordinator, and Troy Brown is Harry, and Leon Delaney is Marv. 
just give them a shout out because the the, the work that they do in this movie is actually phenomenal <laughs> um for all the throwing themselves about um with very little padding and actually landing on you know solid floors and uh, outside as well and stuff it's just it's fantastic and uh so like the part where harry is outside and he touches the door handle mm-hmm. and then he like with the shock of the hotness of the door handle he does like sort of a backflip mm-hmm. down the stairs holy shit that looks sore <laughs> yeah i guess i never thought about it i mean i you know this is this is one of those areas where uh you can tell it's good work if you don't really think about it like i mean obviously yeah. you're gonna think about it because you're more interested in the stunt stuff but for me mm-hmm. i don't think about it at all because i just like watching it i really buy that all of this is happening to them it is yeah. so good like it hurts mm-hmm. watching it yeah because when he goes down the stairs he does a backflip mm-hmm. down the stairs the, the, the crew actually thought that he broke his neck <laughs> oh my god because it wasn't expected for him to do the flip he was just supposed to like land on his back and go down the stairs, but he does a flip <laughs> and looks like he kills himself. But yeah, and then the micro machine slip, mm-hmm. um, where they slip the micro machines and they both just sort of fly into the air. Those guys just throw themselves up into the air and they land on these micro machines as well as the, the solid floor. So that is, you know, the, the amount of pain they must put themselves through for this, you know. Mm-hmm. And with very little padding on their bodies. And I just just have to give a shout out to stuntmen. I hope they get paid really well. Stunt people are fantastic. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I hope they did get paid very well. Yeah. Probably not, though. But, uh, oh, you know. <laughs> I, have, I have a positive about me. Go for it. And you can cut this out if you want. Because I, if I look at, if I, if I think about this stuff, you are going to cut out. <laughs> and I'm looking at the time. <laughs> You were afraid I was going to go on for like 10 hours. I was, yes. And I have controlled myself very well. Very proud of you, Jen. I think it helps. I think it helps that I've been obsessing about it all week because of all the 30th anniversary stuff that's shown up. And so I've I've thought about it so much this week and gone on so many rants. Like Dylan can tell you I've been talking about it all week. I think I got a lot of it out of my system. Poor Dylan. It's a lot. Plus, I have my well thought out sequel that if I could if I could find Chris Columbus, I really think maybe he'd go for it. Right. No, I'm very proud of you. You have restrained yourself. You've shown some restraint, Jen. Um just wait till we do Back to the Future. <laughs> you have to hold me back. <laughs> um right. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I've went through all my notes apart from one, so I'll just say this wee note then that I have to say. And that's um, Sandra McCat, um, who plays the elf, is also a flight attendant in Home Alone 2. Oh. And she was also in Only, Only the Lonely. So those three movies, like back to back to back, are the only three movies that she's ever been in. But she's a musician, a singer, so... Um, yeah, they. I know they uh, hired a lot of locals from Chicago, mm-hmm. and... Um, I have to say, I've always been, one performance I've always loved is the clerk at the grocery store. Yeah. I love her. And it wasn't until I listened to the commentary that I found out that like so much of, I didn't realize how much of this movie was improvised mm-hmm. and that so much of their exchange was improvised. And the fact that Macaulay Culkin was the one who came up with the line, because you're a stranger. And just like the way he delivers it, that's honestly one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. Yeah. He came up with a couple. He also came up with you guys give up or you thirsty for more. That was a really that was a Macaulay Culkin improvised line, yeah. It's that kid he was so talented. Can you he imagine was. can you imagine if his dad hadn't like steered him towards weird movies like Nutcracker? Like what no. kind of work could he have done? And even like I wasn't the biggest Will and Grace fan, but I watched the episode he was on when he was like 17 or 18, and he was really good on that. Like, mm-hmm. Macaulay Culkin's a really good actor. He is. He was a talented young man and um, so likable. But, I mean, he's still likable now. I mean, holy shit. I've watched videos of him and listened to his podcast. He's just really so affable. And, yeah, so good for him. I've just come up with a, a thing, an idea, a theory if you will, that it would have been good if it was discovered, like, maybe at the end of the second movie, that Uncle Frank was in on it with the burglars. <laughs> and that he just wanted more money out of his brother. <laughs> I just want to point out, before we go, that there's something that is always 
really made me admire Chris Columbus as a director. And it's where Kevin's looking through Buzz's stuff and he finds that photograph Mm -hmm. of Buzz's girlfriend. And he says, Buzz, your girlfriend, woof, uh, to say that you you have an ugly girlfriend. And Mm. then he slams the picture down. And I love the fact that that is not actually a girl in that picture and it's actually a boy dressed up. If it's written in the script, it does seem quite nasty. Mm-hmm. So Chris Columbus has actually thought about that, saying I don't want to hurt a girl's feelings. So hurt a boy's feelings, that's fine. But <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I love it, like because I remember as a kid having a problem with that, mm. and I, I was always very concerned about that kind of thing. Like, um, I was always very concerned about. Um, like the Martha Dunstock character in Heathers, like that mm-hmm. kind of character. When you have a character where people are talking a lot about like their body or how ugly their face is or something, it's it it always concerns me to think about the actors um having to deal with that, and it's often women like the actresses having to deal with it. Yeah. Um, and John Hughes clearly had some issues with women. If you look at his movies. So yeah. I, I doubt it would have bothered him if they'd used a girl. Although I've always worried, what if there's a girl who does look like that <laughs> and saw it? But I also, I have a t-shirt that has that picture and it says, Buzz, your girlfriend, woof. <laughs> Why am I not surprised, Jen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I love this movie. It's yeah. my favorite John Hughes movie. It's my favorite Christmas movie. Um, and you know, the, as, as I get older, I realize, I guess it's probably in my top five movies of all time. Fair enough. That's great. I love it. So, you know, I actually don't think it's in my, see, I've done a lot of like top 20 lists or something. I don't think it's in there. So I'm actually quite surprised because I genuinely do love this movie so much. So, but it's one of those movies that I just don't think of as one of my favorite movies. Well, it's because you don't think about it all the time, right? Like, it's a Christmas movie. You think about it at Christmas Exactly, time. yeah. And, I'm not and obs- it's also, obsessed like you. <laughs> I, well, and, but I don't. I think we also don't think of movies in that... Like, I know when I'm trying to make my list, I'm really thinking, like... Like, when you think about well-made movies, like, really well-done movies, you might think about, like, a David Fincher movie or something, right? Like, you're going to think of something, yeah. like, not... Well, for me, it's David yeah, Fincher. Yeah, okay, fair Like, enough. you might think of something that's been, like, nominated for lots of awards and something that maybe adults have had long conversations about. And if you're not me, you're probably not an adult that's had long conversations about Home Alone. Yeah. Um, unless you are around me and then you have... Um, and so it's just not something that comes to mind, but like if you think about it, it's like I mean this is damn damn good movie. It's like I think mm-hmm. about Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, and that's like one of the best movies I've ever seen, but it's never on my mind. Yeah, which version? The original version? The original. I haven't seen the remake. Um, there's also one from the seventies. It was a TV movie. I saw I the one with... that last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm talking Natalie Wood. Yeah, no, I know, I know. But I just want to tell people that there's one from the 70s as well because they've probably forgotten all about that one. But yeah, there was a TV movie. That's how I feel about the Freaky Friday made-for-TV movie in the 90s, which Mm -hmm. then they did another one two years ago. And most people don't realize there's four Freaky Fridays. So that's all we have time for. Um, If you'd like to follow the podcast, it's at DropThePilotPod on the Twitters and uh, contact at shiftbench.co.uk shiftedbench.co.uk is the website. Uh, where can people find you on the internet, Jen? Um, I'm at Pilot Inspectors on uh, Twitter. And uh, I encourage you, if you have anything, anything to say about Home Alone, please tweet at me. <laughs> yes. Or contact at shiftedbench.co.uk. Please I mean, <laughs> That would be great. <laughs> that too. However... <laughs> I need, I go on about Home Alone enough. I really need people who aren't trapped by me (laughs) to have the conversations. (laughs) Because do not think that my husband wants to talk about Home Alone, uh, but he is forced to. We'd like to thank you all for listening and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.